And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com. And use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CP. Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America studios, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. Appreciate you being here, and the phone number is always 866-90-RED-EYE, and Gary and Eric, they do return Sunday night, Monday morning, and hope you are doing well. I, I want to get this off my chest right away. I have got to do this topic first. Uh, Jill Scott, I don't know if you know who Jill Scott is, she is... I guess people call her an R&B singer or whatever, but she has decided now to redo the national anthem. And I don't know if you've seen this. I don't know if you've heard it. It's gone viral. And I'm going to tell you that uh, it is triggering, to say the least, if you are a conservative. I'm going to play some snippets for you. I'm just going to be honest. Now, I'm not the kind of guy who is... You know, Jill Scott's, uh, you know, fan, kind of fan. I'm just I'm not a fan of R&B and so forth. And so I'm pre predestined, I guess, the way you would say you I'm predestined not to like uh, her music. But what I will say is that her the way that she sings the national anthem and the way that she changed the lyrics of the national anthem is causing a a lot of people a lot of frustration. I'm going to play this for you. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I'm going to play some of this for you now, and I'm just going to warn you right off the bat that it does not sound good, but it's also the way that she changed the lyrics. Again, of the national anthem, listen. Oh, say, can you So basically what she did is, and that's just one of a couple of snippets that I have. So what she did is she changed the lyrics of the national anthem to make America look, surprise, racist. And so that one audio bite that I just played, you heard blood in the streets. And, you know, I I hate to interrupt the, the vibe that she's got going here. But one of the things that I would say is, yeah, you know what? When she sings that there is blood in the streets, I'm not going to deny. I'm not going to deny that when Jill Scott sings that there is blood in the streets. Oh, say, can you 
I mean, I, I can see the blood all over the place. By the blood in the streets. But the question is, why is there blood in the streets? I mean, yeah, crime is out of control. Is that America's fault, though? Because the whole point of, at least in my opinion, the whole point of Jill Scott changing the national anthem was to make America look racist. And this is what people are talking about. So is it America's fault, by and large, that crime and murder is out of control? What I would say is that it is her party's fault. It is the Democrat Party's fault that is facilitating the blood in the streets, the rising crime. That, that's, not, that's not because of Republicans or conservatives. That, that's because of the Democrats. And, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know if Jill Scott is a Republican or a Democrat. I have no idea. I have a pretty good idea that she's probably a Democrat. But if you'd like to talk about whose fault it is that there's blood in the streets... I would respectfully submit to Jill Scott that it's her party. George Soros DAs who refuse to prosecute so the bad guys get out and get back onto the street. We all know that when that happens, they go back to a life of crime. We can talk about bail reforms. That is exactly what helps propel the blood in the streets, I would say to Jill Scott. So, yeah, I could say to Jill Scott and all those folks that this was uh, some sort of uh, some sort of an event for Essence magazine, whatever. But she is right. There is blood in the streets. I'm not going to deny that. The question is, who is responsible for that blood in the streets? Well, obviously, it's the people who are causing the blood in the streets. But beyond that, yes, the Democrats. I mean, y'all know that it is Republicans that want law and order. It is Republicans that want to fund the police, not defund the police, like so many people in Hollywood and show business want to do. It is the Democrats, I would, again, respectfully submit, it is the Democrats who actually do want that blood in the streets. And so, you know, sort of going over what I would say is the ridiculousness of Jill Scott and, uh, you know, her rendition of the national anthem is uh, going viral now. And she changed the lyrics to make it seem like America is nothing but a bunch of racists. That this place doesn't smile on you, colored child. So what she just said there is that uh, this place does not smile on you, colored child. That's what she's saying. And you know what? There's a a part of me that that understands what she's saying in in the sense that so many black children are born without a father in the home. So if that's what she's trying to say... Well, then I, I would actually sadly agree with Jill Scott. I mean, you, you want to save that blood in the streets. Get fathers in the homes. Teach those kids the right way to live and respect authority and respect life. Stop aborting children and start raising them with fathers in the home. One figure I saw recently shows that almost 
60 percent of black children have no father in the home. And my point is that people seem to be absolutely outraged and aghast over what Jill Scott's saying in her rendition of the national anthem. I am submitting that, yeah, some of the things that she's saying, and, and by the way, I'm not, I'm not playing you the whole thing. You're welcome. I'm not playing you the whole thing, but I am playing you what I would say are the relevant parts where, you know what? We may disagree. Jill Scott and I, Jill Scott and I may perhaps uh, disagree over why some things are. But some of the things that she does sing in her rendition of the national anthem are true. But what I would submit, what I would say, what, what my official talk show host opinion is that, listen, some of the things you sing are true, but you need to look at why these things are true. You know, if this place does not, what did she say, smile on the colored child? I think that's what she's saying. Well, I just told you exactly what needs to happen. I just told you what exactly needs to change to help the, quote unquote, as she sings, the colored child. You do need that father in the home. You do need to teach those kids the right way to live. You do need to teach those kids to respect authority and respect life. So what we need to do is stop aborting children and start raising these children with fathers in the home. That's what we need to do. So you want this place to smile on a colored child as Jill Scott sings in her new rendition of the national anthem. Get a father involved. Give them direction. Give them devotion and a dad. And you'll be amazed at what happens. One final line from Jill Scott and uh, her rendition of the national anthem. The land of the Okay, so there you go. Jill Scott. And um, I guess my question is, are are there slaves in this country currently? No, just checking. Somebody might want to tell that to Jill Scott. But see, here's the thing. Now, she has said this in the past about that line in her rendition of the national anthem. And it is absolutely filled with hypocrisy. Now, Now, one of the things that she says is that she doesn't intend to divide people when she sings Home of the Slave. Here's a quote. You ready? When I say that, we are in a place that makes us slaves to consumerism. It makes us slaves to social media. It makes us slaves to lies that don't make no kind of sense, she says. But we follow the stories like suckas, she says, S-U-C-K-A-S, that's a quote. But we follow the stories like suckas, like slaves, to whatever kind of negativity that doesn't benefit us as a people, as a culture, nor as a society. So here's my question then. So, Jill Scott, we are slaves to consumerism. Does she give her music away for free? Or does she charge? 
Now, the last time I checked, she was on the various music platforms. That means that you have to pay money for her music. That is called, I would say, consumerism. So she's a hypocrite. Do you know, by the way, how much Jill Scott charges for concert T-shirt? Fifty-five bucks. So when she says that we are in a place that makes us slaves to consumerism, well, she's part of the problem. Because she herself is charging for her music. She herself is charging $55 for a concert T-shirt. Oh, and by the way, if you'd like to go to a Jill, a Jill Scott concert, 100 bucks for a concert ticket, 55 bucks for a concert T-shirt. Have no idea what a CD costs these days. But it is called consumerism. It's called capitalism. And so what I would say to Jill Scott is if you don't like it, then give it all away. She also says we're slaves to social media. Well, Jill, you've got three million followers on Instagram. So should she then go and delete her social media? Again, if we're slaves to all of these things and you want to be an example of what America should be. Well, then don't just sing it. Walk it. Walk the talk. And give away your CDs for free. Give away your concert T-shirts for free. Give away your concert tickets for free. And just do free performances. And delete your social media. If that's what is make making America so bad. And please, when she says that she doesn't want to be divisive, clearly she knows that reworking the national anthem to make it seem like America is simply racist, that is clearly divisive, and clearly she knows that. The phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE. Dan Mandison for Gary and Eric will return next. Keep your engine humming in the heat this summer by keeping up with preventive maintenance. Think your PM is complete after your oil is changed? Think again. There's grease, transmission fluids, and gear oil to consider, too. Transmission fluid, for example, prevents wear of gears, bearings, and bushings, protects against corrosion, and acts as a heat transfer fluid. You may not think about this every time you get behind the wheel, but as soon as it's not doing its job, you'll notice. Misapplication of transmission fluid can mean reduced fuel economy and abrupt or hard shifts if the static friction is too high. It can also cause sluggish operation at low temperatures if the viscosity is too high and leaking through seals if viscosity is too low. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price 
you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there... Don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. Eight six six ninety red eye eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine. Dan Mandis here in for Gary and Eric. They do return Sunday night, Monday morning. The location of the cocaine. We've been covering this all week for you. The location of the cocaine in the White House, bizarrely enough, has now changed for the third time. Now, now remember, first it was in the library. Then it was in the cubbies near the entrance to the West Wing. And now the Secret Service say that it was found in a a more secure location. They say near the the situation room in an area used by staff and officials and visitors and, and VIPs. And so now what they're saying is that they and we reported this part to you last night. It looks like now they're saying, remember, originally. They said that this could take weeks or months to figure out whose cocaine wandered into what the White House. Now what they're saying is that this could be wrapped up within the next couple of days. And they're also telling us, oh, and by the way, we may not ever know whose cocaine this was. NBC News first reported the news of the new location. However, it is a high traffic area. And by that, I mean, you do have uh, people who work here in all kinds of jobs, not just political jobs, uh, the military facilities, people who work uh, for the operations of the White House. And they do have uh, the tours that go through there if they are among the private tours with staffers as sort of a sponsored member. So very high traffic. Yes, it is. They everybody keeps reporting. It is uh, very high traffic. The Secret Service, by the way, again, uh, leading the probe, including looking at security cameras, looking at visitor logs as well. The agency also is carrying out fingerprint and DNA uh, DNA analysis of the little baggie. And I guess, again, what I don't understand, not to belabor the point, is this is now the third location. And this time it is literally on a different floor 
of the West Wing. So I just I don't know why this keeps happening. We had earlier uh, been told that it was one level above and also a lobby area in the West Wing closer to where the Oval Office is. This is down below. The other important news is we had been told the investigation could take a couple of weeks. They're now revising that timeline and saying by Monday, perhaps even earlier, they anticipate uh, having reviewed all the important material they need to review. DNA and fingerprinting testing has been going on. I'm told additional testing is happening today. Yeah. But they're prepping us for basically no solution or or no ending to this story. We're not going to find out if it was Hunter's. We're not going to find out whose it was. At least that's what they're prepping us for. And I think part of the reporting is that initially, again, it said that it could take weeks or maybe months. But now all of a sudden it's going to be wrapped up by Monday. So I think part of what they're trying to do is I think they're just trying to put this to bed. I think that's their ultimate goal is they want this to go away. They want to and I would say foolishly, they want to focus on Bidenomics. They want to focus on whatever it is that they believe that Joe Biden has not screwed up. And so now it's like they're prepping America and the world as to why it is that they're not going to be able to figure out who this person is. And it's it's because it's a very small bag and they may not be able to procure any fingerprints or any DNA. But, you know, if they here's my contention, if they wanted to find out whose cocaine this was. I mean, they could. This is the White House, for God's sake. Kaylee McEnany. And and by the way, they're also looking at cameras. The the issue with the cameras is that if you if you have a camera and it's looking over an entire room or an entire area, the White House, it is the Secret Services, I guess. It's their contention that the cameras need to be uh, focused right on the area where the cocaine was left as opposed to a wide-angle shot. And I'm, I'm, I'm listening to all of this, and I'm thinking, okay, so we can use satellite imagery to see terrorists in a cave, but somehow we can't figure out a way to protect the president of the United States from a you know, foreign white substance that nobody really knew what it was, so I have no idea how that goes. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number. Eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine. America starts the day with America in the morning. Pending home sales numbers, they tanked in April, but there are. Hi, I'm John Trout, your host for the latest news, politics, entertainment, business, and weather. Octane action in the dust, a new film puts. Our staff of correspondents provide a fast paced look at the world with specialized reports from where news happens. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Amazon. Concise, accurate, and fresh each day. America in the morning, the podcast, available wherever you listen. Are you into weird, spooky, and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. 
Want to get spooky with us? Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Red Eye Radio, from the Uniden America Studios. 1-866-907-3339. 866-90-RED-EYE. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. Appreciate you listening to Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE. And that is where we find Aaron, calling from Los Angeles on Red Eye Radio. Hello, Aaron. Hey, hey, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Awesome, man. Uh, just first off, I want to say thank you guys. I listen to you guys from time to time. I'm not a trucker myself, but I do listen to your radio. Um, I just had some comments on the Jill Scott thing. Uh, this, the, I was equally as appalled, but I just wondered why you connected that to a Democratic uh, political view. Um, and, uh, honestly, I am myself a liberal um, you know, by default, I'm from California, but also <laughs> just still wondering how these views connect to the Democrat or the liberal. Um, well, that, when that I was my question, man. So, so a couple of things, Aaron. First of all, uh, just because you're from California doesn't mean that by default you have to be a Democrat, because I as well am from Los Angeles and I am a conservative, been a long time since I've been back home. But there is hope for you yet, and I, uh, I appreciate uh, the call very much. And uh, I, I'll say this, because in, if, if you missed the monologue, basically uh, I, I played audio from Jill Scott's rendition of the National Anthem, and, and Aaron is asking, because it, it's gone viral, and if you, have, uh, if you missed the monologue, well, you've got to go listen to uh, Jill Scott's rendition of the National Anthem. And, and why did I connect it to... Uh, Democrat policies. Well, well, because in, in some sense, Aaron, and I don't know how closely you listen to the monologue, but if you listen to what she's saying, and I don't want to redo the whole thing, but if you listen to what she's saying, you know, one of the things that, that she's saying is there's blood in the streets. Well, that is true. There's blood in the streets of cities all across America, particularly Democrat run cities. And the reason why the crime is going up in Democrat-run cities, as I explained in the monologue, is because of Democrat policies. You know, bail reforms and and defund the police, that whole defund the police movement. You know, those kinds of things. George Soros DAs who simply refuse to uh, press charges on a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the crime, the criminals, the shoplifters and these kinds of things. Cumulatively. Those are all Democrat policies. So, again, when she sings there's blood in the streets, why is there blood in the streets? It's my opinion there's blood in the streets because of the Democrat policies that I just mentioned. And I appreciate the call and the fact that you uh, listen to Red Eye Radio. Let's see what this is, Anthony. And he is calling from Pittsburgh. Hello, Anthony. Go ahead. Yep. On the same topic, I uh, called Jill Scott, just like the uh, basketball player last week, uh, Natasha's um, Cloud, I think was her name. I call them kook leftists. It sounds like they're raised on CRT um, with the way they talk about the nation was built by slaves 
and they go on and on about our faults in the past. Well, the slavery ended December of 1865. You go back to when the Transcontinental Railroad was built, completed, what, May of 1869. Slavery was banned by then, and those railroads were built by Chinese coolies and Irish immigrants who weren't treated, although they were paid, they weren't treated very well. And one other point about that, how you know, they talk about it being built by slaves. Well, if everything was built by slaves and, and slavery was such a great source of labor, then why didn't the South win the Civil War? Well, and here's what I would say, and Anthony, I, I appreciate uh, the call. The, the problem we have is that for people who are just like to marinate so far in the past, it, at least to me, it, she says in, in one of the one of the quotes, again, that I read this uh, in the previous segment, where she says, I don't mean for my rendition of the national anthem to be divisive, but it clearly is. And, and so when you are perpetually bringing up things like slavery, what it does is it does continue to divide as opposed to bring us together. I mean, there's nobody in America. I, I would say to anybody who will listen that there's nobody in America at least nobody credible, who thinks that slavery was a good thing. It clearly wasn't. And we had thousands of Americans who died trying to end slavery. And so to constantly marinate in slavery, and I'm just, I don't want to get into a whole slavery thing uh, this, this morning, but to sit here and just marinate in slavery like some people like to do, especially people on the left, well, then that prevents us from all moving forward together. And isn't that what we ultimately want for America? Isn't that ultimately what we want for our country to be able to move forward arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder together? But it's hard when we are constantly reminded of the past. And so if she wasn't trying to be divisive with her rendition of the national anthem, well, then I don't know what she was trying to accomplish. Now, here's the thing. People are saying out there, and this is where I, I will and this is going to hurt. But some people are really slamming Jill Scott and saying that, you know, we had uh, we've had a lot of, uh, you know, military died defending, uh, you know, the national anthem and defending America and so forth. And and I would respectfully submit that while that is true, They also defended her right and they died defending her right to do exactly what it is that she did. Which is exercise her right to free speech. And so I may disagree vehemently with Jill Scott. I I may look at her version of the national anthem and not only do I not like the singing, I'm not a big fan of her music, but uh, I also find the, the lyrics repulsive. But I do understand that she has her experience and and I have mine. And and that is what, in my estimation, does make America great is not only do we have different experiences, but we also have the right to share those experiences and discuss those experiences. And And that is exactly what she did. And I have a right. This is going back to the first caller from Los Angeles, Aaron. I have a right then to give my opinion on her opinion of America. 
And, and by the way, in uh, in other interviews, Jill Scott has said, just so you know, the full scope of, of her opinion, she has also said uh, on a number of different occasions that she has considered uh, moving out of uh, America, leaving America, going to live in in some other country that apparently isn't so hostile towards black people. Which, which I don't really understand, because as, as folks know. This is the land of opportunity for everyone. Unfortunately, what we seem to have to be debating over and over and over again is, is it really the land of opportunity for everyone? And I will tell you that, and as I mentioned, I think it was uh, on Wednesday, I thought it was fascinating when you had Michelle Obama and Barack Obama rage tweeting about black oppression and income inequality in America as they themselves are on some sort of a, a super yacht in some exotic location. But see, for for a lot of people, and I don't know the motivations of Jill Scott. I'm just going to tell you, I I have no idea the motivations for her. I believe she's misguided. She would look me straight in the face and say, Mandis, you are misguided. And I'd say, "Okay, That's your opinion. And this is my opinion. But again, this is America and everybody's allowed to have that opinion and express the opinion. But for generally speaking. For, for Democrats, one of the things that obviously we're noticing is that they are going to keep ratcheting up the hostilities and they're going to keep ratcheting up, you know, the 1619 project, keep bringing up slavery and all of these other things because their policies are failing. Their policies are keeping America as a whole down and their policies are are destroying inner cities. But see, they don't want to talk about that. They don't want to acknowledge that, and they sure as hell don't want to find a solution. Because if the solution was really found, then America would begin to realize that the solution was based in conservative values and not Democrat values. 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Eight six six ninety red eye is the phone number, 866-907-3339. So there is, <laughs> there is so much stuff going on uh, this morning, including coming up in the next hour. There's a guy out there who says that he was an eyewitness to Joe and Hunter Biden's influence peddling, and he is now speaking out. The, the big question is, Is anybody listening? Now, this is going to be the story, and I tweeted out this video. I spent the better part of an hour grabbing little audio bites from this guy's 14-minute video, but his name is Gal Luft, and he is on the run. And he's on the run because the FBI and the DOJ is coming after him, and he says that the reason why they're coming after him is because he is speaking out on Joe and Hunter Biden's influence peddling. You see, Gal Luft, he he was involved in this Chinese energy company, CEFC, 
And so he was one of their top advisors when Joe and Hunter Biden were involved in CEFC. And he is out there saying all kinds of things. As a matter of fact, he, he says that he is like, you know, you have patient zero. He is like witness zero. He was right there when all of this influence peddling happened. And, and he's gone missing now. He's in hiding. But the New York Post, they got a, you know, New York Post, it's generally speaking, it's conservative. And they found this video. They, they published this video from this gal left. And this guy, he has massive connections in Washington, D.C. So coming up in the next hour, I cannot wait to play for you that uh, audio because it really does tell a story. And I do have all the uh, latest on the influence peddling allegations as well. Uh, one of the things I didn't get to uh, because I had some calls uh, coming in, I wanted to address those calls and make sure I got folks uh, on the air. But there, there was one more audio pipe that I wanted to play regarding the cocaine that was found in the White House. Now, if you're just joining us, the uh, cocaine, the the um, FBI, I should say the Secret Service, they are now saying that they should have this wrapped up in a couple of days. They are prepping us for basically no suspects. They're out there saying, and I reported this to you last night, that uh, they're saying more than likely they're not going to be able to figure out who it is that brought in this cocaine. But Kaylee McEnany, she was on Fox News, and she had a great point on all of this. Now, I've been telling you about the fact that it's been uh, the the location has now changed for the third time. And one of the things that, that she is saying is that she doesn't really understand how it is that they were not able to figure out where this came from or the fact that this was right next to where President Biden could have walked right close within feet of an unknown white substance. Listen to how she puts it. The president of the United States walks through this entrance. If the motorcade is on West Exec, which it often is, I've seen President Trump walk through there and the thought that President Biden could have been within feet of a powdery substance that was unknown. Uh, it's incomprehensible and it is inexcusable. And, and the other thing that I would ask is how long was it there? How long do you think that this was there? And, and one of the other things that uh, McEnany said is that there is a, a Secret Service person right there. And you know what I believe? I believe and I bet you believe this, too. That most people there within the White House, I think they know whose cocaine it is. You think you think that's true? Because, you know, when 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 you you talk about uh, a workplace and, and a workplace culture. Generally speaking, you know what people's proclivities are. And if there's if there's a cokehead, you know, on the staff or what have you, generally speaking, oftentimes, you know who that person is. And so it is my belief that everybody knows whose cocaine that is, but nobody wants to talk about it. And if Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and Joe Biden truly, really wanted to clear this whole thing up. Just have Hunter take a a drug test. You know, I I said on uh, I think it was Wednesday morning. I said that if Joe Biden was a, a, a real, true, caring father. All of a sudden you have cocaine just, you know, ends up in the West Wing and your son is a former drug addict. The first thing you're going to do. Trust, but verify. You make sure that your son is straight. 
You make sure that your son is, is still drug free. That's what they need to do. And, and there's no to, to me, there's no insult. In asking Hunter to take a, a drug test, especially if they can't figure out whose cocaine this is. If you care about someone and you want their well-being, then you need to ensure that they are put in a position to succeed. Part of that related to Hunter Biden is making sure that he's clean. Top of the hour news is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Gary and Eric, they do return Sunday night, Monday morning. And you can find out more about me on the Dan Mandis Show Facebook page. I'm also on Twitter. I host a morning show in Nashville, Tennessee on 997 WTN, and uh, you can hear that if you like, 6 to 10 Eastern Time at 997WTN.com. Now, I have been looking forward all night to playing this audio for you, and one of the reasons why is because very few media outlets are paying any attention to this story, or they are discrediting the story of Dr. Gal Luft. Now, who is he? He is a guy who claims that he is an eyewitness to Joe and Hunter Biden's influence peddling, and he is speaking out. The big question is, is anyone listening? Now, if you want to see this video, I tweeted it out at Dan Mandis Show. So please, if you would, uh, follow me on Twitter. But the video was published by the New York Post. And this is a guy who, for years was a senior advisor to this Chinese energy company, CEFC, which is one of the companies Hunter was affiliated with and apparently got millions of dollars from. And good Lord, this guy, Guy Luft, he has an amazing story to tell. And here's part of it. Listen. My ordeal goes back to a fatal decision I made in March of 2019 to share with the U.S. government my knowledge about the Biden family's relations with CFC. And that was uh, the beginning of that 14-minute video. And and he talks about how he actually met with officials from the FBI and the DOJ to speak about his experiences with the Bidens. And in March of 2019, he let the DOJ know of his concerns. Because, again, remember, he was a senior advisor to CEFC. So he is literally working with the company that Hunter and Joe and Jim Biden, which is Joe's brother, they're all working with CEFC. And so he noticed that things were not on the up and up in this relationship. And so he did let the DOJ and the FBI know of his concerns, and they were interested. 
I mean, they were really interested, so interested that they came fully staffed to the meeting with a whole bunch of investigators. Now, you want to ask yourself, why did the government dispatch to Europe so many people? Why six? Why not two? The answer is that they knew very well that I'm a credible uh, witness Mm -hmm. and that I have insider knowledge about the group and the individuals that enriched the Biden family. Yeah, the DOJ sent two prosecutors. The FBI sent four agents. Now, Guy Luft or Gal Luft, uh, he has a think tank on global security. So this guy has a lot of credibility within Washington, D.C. He lives in Israel and has said that um, he's got a lot of street cred, if you will. And he does know the Bidens well. And he also knows CEFC well. And he says in this 14-minute video that he provided the feds with dollar figures of money that was moving to the Biden accounts. And he even gave the name of Rob Walker as Hunter Biden's bag man. And if you know anything about this story, you know how critical piece of information that is. I also provided the name of Rob Walker, who later became known as Hunter Biden's bag man. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet, as we now know today from the whistleblower testimony, uh, Gary Shapley, it took the DOJ a whole 21 months to probe the issue and to actually talk to Walker. But perhaps the most alarming information I revealed was of a mole within the DOJ who shared classified information with Hunter Biden and his Chinese partners. I told the DOJ that Hunter was closely associated with a very senior retire, retired FBI official who had distinct physical characteristic. He had one eye. I mean, it, it sounds like James Bond stuff. One eye. And so this FBI mole, as the story goes from Gal Luft, was giving classified intel to Hunter Biden to, I assume, as the story goes, so that he would be able to give it to his Chinese uh, counterparts or use it to his advantage. And all of this was, by the way, corroborated by the laptop months later. So the DOJ and the FBI, they know when they get the laptop computer, they know that all of that stuff in the laptop is credible because they already had spoken to this guy, Gal Luft. And part of his allegation, again, is that the FBI knew the contents of the laptop and they did not care. Why? Well, because they were trying to protect Joe Biden. And how's this? Another piece of evidence. The same guy that Luft spoke with in Brussels back in, what was it, 2019, is the same guy that picked up the laptop. In other words, the FBI knew about... Uh, from me about the Biden CFC deals before they got hold of the laptop, way before. They had enough time to investigate the issue, but they didn't. Nope. Why is that? Well, it's, it's the same thing. It is the same thing. It is the DOJ doing what they can and the FBI doing what they can to protect Joe Biden. As, as I like to say, bubble wrap Biden. I mean, there's two different definitions for bubble wrap Biden. One, because it keeps falling down. And the other one is because the media and the Department of Justice and the FBI and all these folks, 
They like to bubble wrap the president, Joe Biden, bubble wrap Biden. So that they can protect him at all costs. And so what this guy decides to do, what what Gal Luft decides to do is he sends his attorney to Washington, D.C. to reiterate that he has incriminating information on Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and Jim Biden and their affiliation with this Chinese energy company, CEFC, and these allegations of influence peddling. There's a mole within the FBI. And he's only got one eye. And the DOJ and some of these other folks, they didn't pay any attention to his attorney. As a matter of fact, what uh, they did was they decided then to arrest him. Now, why was he arrested? What were the charges? And did the charges have anything that was credible? Well, here's what he has to say about his arrest. Finally, in February this year, I was arrested in Cyprus on an extradition request from the Southern District of New York, the very same office that met with me uh, in Brussels. The seven-count indictment said I violated the Export uh, Arms Export Control Act, and if I convicted, I would face up to 100 years in prison. While I was detained in Cyprus, I was portrayed in the international media as an arms dealer, even though I never traded a bullet in my entire life. In fact, nowhere in my indictment, the DOJ claimed or presented evidence that I bought, sold, shipped, or financed any weapons. So they call him a weapons dealer, but he's never sold a, a weapon or traded a bullet in his life. They also got him for not registering as a foreign agent. And so just if you follow the bouncing ball, he, he brings these allegations against uh, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Jim Biden. And so what does the DOJ? They sit on his allegations. They don't even investigate his allegations, even though he was credible. Instead, what they turn around and they do is they charge him. And they go to arrest him. And so now he's on the run. They say that he's missing. He skipped bail and he bolted. And nobody knows where he is, but he did release this 14-minute video that I'm playing for you right now. And he says that all of those charges are bogus and that what they really want to do is arrest him and lock him up so that he'll shut up and not speak to James Comer, not to tell his side of the story or perhaps worse. And by the way, James Comer was due to uh, speak to this guy, Gal Luft. But then he uh, ended up arrested and on on the run. And he does say that he is patient zero of the Biden family investigation. And, And he wants the DOJ. He's got a challenge for the DOJ. He says that he wants the DOJ to release the minutes of the meeting that he had with the DOJ and the FBI in Brussels and make those notes and make those minutes public. He also wants to have the evidence against him made public, obviously because he feels like there's nothing to those charges. I, who volunteered to inform the U.S. government about potential security breach and about compromising information about a man vying to 
be the next president. I am now being hunted by the very same people whom I informed and may have to live on the run for the rest of my life. Yeah, and he says that the CEFC was paying Hunter Biden $100,000 a month and Jim Biden $65,000 a month in exchange for their FBI connections and use of the Biden name to promote China's Belt and Road Initiative around the world. That's where the influence peddling comes in. The money was being funneled through this guy, Rob Walker. Now, if you don't know what China's Belt and Road Initiative is, it's basically China's uh, construction and infrastructure projects that are being made around the world. And so China is, you know, providing the money, providing the construction. And what people assume is happening is that China is, you know, these are the critics of this initiative, is that China is trying to uh, expand its reach globally. And that's where you say, well, Joe Biden is trying to, um, you know, help China increase their reach globally. And, And so that is, again, peddling influence. So to retrace and wrap all of this up, among the allegations that he is saying is, um, you know, something that Bidens are guilty of. Joe Biden, along with Hunter, met with representatives of the Chinese government-linked energy conglomerate CEFC at the Four Seasons Hotel in Washington, D.C., right after Joe Biden left the vice presidency. An allegation that has now been independently confirmed. Don't forget that uh, Tony Bobulinski has also spoken about these kinds of things. Also, there's evidence of these meetings in the laptop. CEFC was paying huge sums to Hunter and Jim Biden. And remember, 10% goes to the big guy. Hunter had a pet mole within the FBI who provided tip-offs to CEFC honchos about incoming investigations. And finally, the prosecutors trying CEFC a bigwig, a guy by the name of Patrick Ho, for bribery in 2017, because this guy was sketchy to say the least. You know, the first guy he called when he got arrested for bribery was Hunter Biden. He actually paid Hunter Biden a million-dollar retainer, a legal retainer. And so when Patrick Ho, this CEFC head honcho, When he was arrested and he went to trial, they forbade him from even mentioning the name Biden. Despite the fact that Ho was paying Hunter a million dollars as a legal retainer, he was arrested. Now, the prosecutors say that that would have politicized the case against Ho. And by the way, he was found guilty in this bribery allegation. So the big question is, why the media silence on this 14-minute video? The only media outlet that really is giving this uh, any kind of notice is, of course, the New York Post, who has uh, you know, exposed the video, given the video some uh, media attention. And I think Fox News did it last night. So now the rest of the media, no doubt, will continue to ignore what I would say is a very important part of the Hunter Biden and Joe Biden influence peddling allegation. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. Most owner-operators leased to larger carriers are paid on a per-mile basis or a percentage of revenue per load. 
the per-mile basis is most prevalent among larger fleets, percentage at smaller. Pay per mile tends to dominate discussions about pay just because it's easier to measure, and pay per mile often is wrongly used as the deciding factor in leasing to a carrier. While pay per mile can be a vital factor, it's not a cure for every ill, nor does it mean a big settlement check is coming an owner-operator's way. Why? Because pay per mile always must be considered in balance with gross revenue as well as total costs. Gross revenue can include flat mileage pay, mileage pay that varies by length of haul, percentage revenue pay, and more. Most importantly, though, for every revenue dollar generated, only part of that dollar is profit. But for every extra dollar of cost saved, the entire dollar contributes to profit. Knowing and understanding your cost to operate is fundamental to understanding the true value of any pay package. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology. For more information, go to OverdriveOnline.com to the Overdrive's Partners in Business section of the website for more detail on Business 101 and many other topics. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio, 866-907-3339, 866-90-RED-EYE. Dan Mandison for Gary and Eric. You know, there are few people in America today, uh, politicians specifically, who are uh, more awkward than the Vice President Kamala Harris. Now, she was at some event. I think it was it's, it's this Essence event. You know, the same uh, event where uh, Jill Scott sang her now infamous version of the national anthem that's causing all kinds of controversy. Well, Kamala Harris, apparently now she was asked to define culture. And it didn't go well. Well, I think culture is it, it is a reflection of our moment and our time. Right. And and and. Present culture is the way we express how we're feeling about the moment. And, and we should always find times to express how we feel about the moment. That is a reflection of joy because, you know, it comes in the morning. <laughs> I don't know what that means. but We have to find ways to also express the way we feel about the moment in terms of. Okay, can I just say that I'm expressing in this moment confusion at what the hell she's trying to say just having language and 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 a connection to how people are experiencing life and i think about it in that way too (laughs) so as you can imagine twitter went nuts now off the top of my head i I would say the culture is uh, society and its way of life its various views and actions and, and customs And so I guess I I got completely lost in the word salad of Kamala Harris. And so now, of course, this also a viral moment. Uh, Artificial intelligence czar explains culture. Actor James Woods retweeted a video of uh, Kamala Harris explaining what culture is to her. Fox News contributor Liz Peek tweeting out, OMG, what is wrong with this babbling brook of a woman. 
Comedian Tim Young writing that Kamala tried to define the word culture today, and it went about as well as if a nine-year-old had to give a book report on a book they didn't read. They say this is cringier than most Biden talks. And finally, Twitchy's Doug Powers joked, can somebody please tell Kamala Harris that she should not be eating every gummy in the package all at once? From the Uniden America Studios. 1-866-907-3339. 866-90-RED-EYE. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. Appreciate you being here. You can find out more about me on Facebook and also Twitter at Dan Mandis Show. On the socials, I'm also on Instagram. I do host a morning show in Nashville, Tennessee. On Super Talk, 99.7 WTN, it is uh, 6 to 10 Eastern Time. So if you'd like to listen in, 99.7 WTN.com. And uh, good news, the boys, uh, Gary and Eric, they do return Sunday night, Monday morning. You know, it it is fascinating. There is so much going on with um, politics today. And the more that you read into and, and read about where Governor Ron DeSantis is going with his campaign the more you realize that, and I'm a guy who does like Ron DeSantis, but it is abundantly clear that he's not connecting. He's not connecting with the American people. And so part of the question has got to be asked, okay, why is Ron DeSantis not connecting? What is it that he's doing wrong? And by the way, last night we we played for you, and I'm going to revisit this topic here in a little bit. But we replayed for you this uh, video that was uh, not produced by the DeSantis campaign, but they did uh, tweet it out, a video that basically is saying that Donald Trump was really at uh, the, the forefront of where we are now with this transgender activist movement. And one of the things that I said last night was, I, I wonder if DeSantis knew, because it's a bizarre video, And I'll play you the audio again coming up. But one of the things that I said was, did DeSantis even know that his campaign was tweeting out this rather bizarre video featuring Donald Trump and some really weird, creepy, you know, some people are saying it was homoerotic uh, music and images. And so DeSantis is absolutely on the defensive, but I find it fascinating Because they did ask the question of Ron DeSantis. Why are you not connecting with the American people? And it was really fascinating. Because it really did seem like it was a a, a gotcha question. But they just decided to ask him the question. And and I I thought that he answered answered it appropriately. I'm going to play you that audio coming up, though. I want to get to Linda real quick. The phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Linda's in Albany, New York. Thanks for calling in. Go ahead. 
Oh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I suddenly had thoughts about the fact that the White House, they did an evacuation, and normally for one dose of something that you could just put in a plastic bag to have tested, why would you have a whole evacuation of the place? I think, although they're trying to downsize it, that actually more stuff was found around in the various places that are suddenly being mentioned. I don't know if that's true, Linda, but but here here's what I don't understand is how did it go from, you know, the library to, you know, various parts of the West Wing? We're, we're talking about two different locations, actually three different locations, two different floors. So that's part of what I don't understand is how is it they got this so wrong? And it does lead to, you know, theories like yours. And I do appreciate the call. One of the things that I thought was fascinating about the um, the Biden administration as they are uh, trying to deal with this is they were asked the question earlier today, and I've got some uh, audio for you, where they, they were asked uh, about um, this situation. And they said, Could this be the reporter asked the question, could this be Joe Biden's cocaine or his son's cocaine? I want you to listen to the response because the response is stunning. Listen closely. I believe this was on Air Force One. Uh, Former President Trump has made some pretty wild posts uh, recently on social media. Uh, One of them was that uh, the cocaine found in the White House was had belonged to either the president or his son. Are you willing to say that that's not the case, that they don't belong to them? I don't have uh, a response to that because we have to be careful about the Hatch Act. What? Uh, What I will say is that I have noticed there does seem to be some increasing frustration coming from that corner in general. Uh, And I think it is probably rooted in the contrast between their substantive policy records. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, this is a guy by the name, I think his name was Andrew Bates. And so uh, old Andrew there is uh, invoking the um, the Hatch Act. Now, Andrew is a mid-level staffer from the White House. And, and so what's amazing is he didn't deny that this cocaine could have belonged to a Biden. And that was the simple answer. That's all he had to say was, no, It's of course it's not the president's. Of course it's not Hunter Biden's uh, cocaine. Don't you know that he's clean? But instead, this was his response. I, I don't have uh, a response to that because we have to be careful about the Hatch Act. Th- that is the dumbest response ever. Now, now, first of all, just so you folks know, and I know that most of you do know this because I'm sure that Gary and Eric have, have talked about this, but the Hatch Act is legislation, a rule, that prohibits federal employees from talking about or using federal resources for campaign purposes. Well, denying that cocaine is the president's or the president's son is not a a, a campaign slogan. It's literally defending you against allegations that you had cocaine. In other words, This dude's dodging Andrew Bates. And see, this is why Linda called from Albany, New York. 
And she said that she believes that maybe there was, you know, a, a number of different bags of cocaine. Why does Linda believe that? Because there's been, you know, not one, not two, but three different locations. Now, the other thing that she said is, why did they have to why did they have to evacuate the area? Well, the reason why they had to evacu- evacuate the area was because they didn't know that it was cocaine. But when when there's not a lot of information forthcoming or when the information is constantly changing, then questions start to arise. And so when this Andrew Bates, when he can't even deny that that cocaine didn't belong to a Biden and he invokes the Hatch Act and it's clearly the the wrong way to go on this because there's nothing that has to do with the the Hatch Act when you're saying that that cocaine wasn't the president's. I mean, that has nothing to do with the campaign that has to do with, you know, denying that you're involved in a crime. And so I wonder if. If there's a memo there within the Biden administration or, or within the, the progressives and the Democrats where they say, well, you know, when you're a federal employee, you know, invoke the Hatch Act, that'll get you out of answering the question, even though clearly. Anybody who knows anything about the Hatch Act knows that it has to do with federal employees utilizing federal resources for campaign purposes. I mean, Cringe Jean Pierre the other day, she knows all too well because she has been busted for violating the Hatch Act when she continues to talk about the quote unquote MAGA Republicans and how MAGA Republicans are, are so, uh, you know, whatever they are. I mean, it's always negative. There's always a negative connotation to it. And, and so the, the people who deem such things as a violation of the Hatch Act said, well, you're you're basically campaigning from the uh, podium. There at the White House during the White House press briefings because you were disparaging MAGA Republicans. Well, MAGA is the term that Donald Trump uses. He is running against Joe Biden. And by the way, she she went out uh, and she said, well, I'm still going to I'm still going to say it. Well, then you'll be in violation of the Hatch Act. So they apparently don't care about actually violating the Hatch Act, but they'll actually invoke the Hatch Act as a way to dodge answering the question about whether or not this cocaine was the president's or Hunter Biden's. Good Lord. I mean, this is why Republicans will not let this go. I mean, it would have been very simple for Andrew here, Andrew Bates, a mid-level staffer for the White House. It would have been very easy and logical for him to say, of course not. It's not Hunter Biden's. It's not Joe Biden's cocaine. But he didn't. And he invoked the Hatch Act when it didn't apply. Then he dares to try and convince the American people that the records of Joe Biden and Donald Trump, where he's saying that Biden's record is better than Trump's, are you kidding me? All you have to do is look at the border. All you have to do is look at the economy. All you have to do is look at Biden's failed 
pulled out of Afghanistan. I mean, there's a number of different metrics. If you'd like to pull them out, I mean, we certainly can. But when you're talking about the records of of Joe Biden and Donald Trump, and Bates is saying, well, yeah, Trump is just, you know, angry and frustrated because, you know, Biden's doing so well. Uh, No, Donald Trump and conservatives are pissed off because they are seeing the Biden administration get away with it being protected by the DOJ and the FBI after they seemingly have done real things that are real crimes like influence peddling. At the same time, they have gone after Donald Trump in the past for things that never happened, and they continue to do so. That's why Donald Trump and conservatives are frustrated. And so this guy, Andrew Bates, you know, it is interesting because yesterday was a really bad day for the Biden administration on social media, because, you know, earlier I played that audio of Kamala Harris trying to explain what culture is. Absolutely. You know, there's this um, there's this uh, saying called, you know, broke the Internet. I think there should be another uh, phrase called confused the Internet or stymied the Internet, because yesterday for the Biden administration, they had not one but two different examples, incidents of confusing or styming the Internet. And that is uh, in social media. That is exactly what is happening with the Biden administration. 86690 Red Eye is the phone number 86690 Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Denny's. Red Eye Radio, Dan Mandis here. The uh, phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. I, I just saw this, and this is from the Daily Mail, and it, it just kind of dovetails off of what we were talking about before the break, where, you know, Biden's administration is daring to say that Donald Trump is frustrated because uh, Trump feels like Biden's uh, policies are doing better for America than Donald Trump's, which, of course, is an absolute joke. But but I love this headline from the Daily Mail. Uh, I'll probably delve deeper into it in the next hour. They say Biden's behavior conveys guilt. Republicans are now blasting the administration for burying a scathing State Department report on the Afghanistan withdrawal failures in plain sight over the 4th of July weekend and turning a blind eye to the Taliban's takeover. Now, isn't that interesting? I'm going to be honest with you. I am all over the news. And, and, I, and I check, I mean, I can't even tell you how many news sources I check on a daily basis. I, I didn't see this. Maybe I, maybe I missed the uh, State Department's report on Afghanistan, the withdrawal, uh, the failures of Biden's withdrawal, and how the Biden administration uh, hid the thing in plain sight and released it over the 4th of July uh, weekend. And yes, turning a blind eye to the Taliban's takeover, which has been going on in uh, Afghanistan. And so the more that Afghanistan continues to uh, delve into, you know, whatever you want to say, violence, terrorism and so forth, uh, the more that Afghanistan 
just basically uh, gets worse and worse, the worse it looks for uh, Joe Biden. They say that the Biden administration is completely divorced from reality. And by the way, President Biden claimed that Al Qaeda is no longer operating in Afghanistan. Well, again, that's all fine and well. But can we talk about uh, the Taliban? So I'm going to get into this story in the next hour because I'm I'm positive that there's some fascinating uh, things here. So we'll talk about that and a whole lot more. Again, it is uh, Red Eye Radio. Also coming up in the next hour, Ron DeSantis answers the question, why is Ron DeSantis not connecting with the American people? It's all straight ahead on Red Eye Radio. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. I host a morning show in Nashville, Tennessee on Super Talk, 99.7 WTN. You can listen 6 to 10 Eastern at 99.7 WTN.com. Very busy morning here on Red Eye Radio, and, and there's a great story. Out of the Daily Mail. Now, if you you know anything about me, you know that one of the things that I am passionate about is my frustration that the Biden administration and Joe Biden, they do seem on many different levels to be divorced from reality, reality. But let me ask you a question. What does divorced from reality mean to you? Does that mean that they're delusional or does it mean that they're actually lying? Now, I've got a couple of examples because I've been I've been angry and irritated and frustrated about this literally since day one. I mean, everybody knows that Joe Biden lies. I mean, this is a a man who has been perpetually lying about not only his past legislation, but also his personal life. You know, getting arrested with Nelson Mandela. He's been saying that he uh, took part in the uh, civil rights marches of movements when he when he didn't. I mean, this is a guy that has been caught in lie after lie after lie after lie. So it's well documented. So why anybody takes Joe Biden seriously is something that I don't know. But the but the question is. What does because Republicans are now saying that Joe Biden is divorced from reality When it comes to Afghanistan, is he divorced from reality or is he simply lying? I'm going to give you a separate, more obvious example. So when Biden and the Biden administration say the border is closed, you know, when it was wide open, but they would say the border is closed or the border is secure. Is that 
the administration being divorced from reality, putting that in, in air quotes, divorced from reality, or are they lying? I believe that they're lying to you, the American people. Here's another one. The Border Patrol whipped those Haitian immigrants. When in reality, that never happened. Yet the Biden administration continued to talk about and continued to perpetuate that lie for months. Were they divorced from reality or were they lying to the American people? They were lying to the American people, in my opinion. Bidenomics is a great thing. Is that divorce from reality or is that a lie and narrative control? Now, there's a reason why I'm, I'm painstakingly going through all of this. It's because I'm establishing the pattern that Joe Biden and the Biden administration, they will lie and, and call it, uh, you know, they'll call a lie a fact. A co- the complete opposite of reality. But see, there's a difference. There's a difference between... Being divorced from reality where, I don't know, whatever it is, climate change. Where they will just continue on and on and on and on and on and spend billions of dollars fighting climate change. Now, I believe that they are divorced from reality on that one, but there is a disagreement on the science, whatever. But you can always manipulate the science. But when it comes to actually lying over blatant facts, that's where we have a problem. Now, the president was asked a few weeks ago about this report. And I, and I was telling you about this right before the end of the last hour where the Biden administration, there is a State Department report on the failures of the Afghanistan withdrawal. And so Biden and the, uh, and the Biden administration, they decided to bury this thing. By releasing it over the 4th of July weekend and basically saying, nope, it's wrong. Nothing to see here. And that's going to be, at least to me, why Joe Biden will fail in the next presidential election. Because they do continue to uh, lie to the American people. But I want you to listen to this audio. This audio was a few weeks ago when the president was asked about the state of Afghanistan, which right now it is not good. Mistakes. There was a, there was a report on Afghanistan withdrawal saying there was failure, mistakes. Do you want to meet? There was mistakes during the withdrawal and before? No, no. All the evidence is coming back there. Remember what I said about Afghanistan? I said al-Qaeda would not be there. I said it wouldn't be there. I said we'd get help from the Taliban. What's happening now? What's going on? Read your press. I was right. Thanks. Uh-huh. So, so, so the, the report is from the State Department, actually, about the withdrawal. And, and, and so Biden, of course, walking out the door at that point when that uh, journalist said, uh, by the way, that's not our press. That, that's the State Department. Mr. President, it was the State Department that said there was a lot of failure. Well, he's gone. OK, well, whatever. But the president says he's right. Did you hear that with the, with the whole desk thing? Here's the problem that the president has is that everyone, including, by the way, the Democrats know that he is lying. So now in the Daily Mail today, there, there is that headline. 
about this report. Republicans are blasting the Biden administration's and their cover up of a scathing report on the Afghanistan withdrawal failures put out by the State Department ahead of the long Fourth of July holiday weekend, saying that it conveys guilt. And that's got like a, a double entendre, right? Because you have the uh, the failures as documented in the report that does convey guilt. And you have the hiding of said report, which also conveys guilt. Late Friday, the State Department quietly released an 87 page report condemning the Biden administration's failure to prepare for the Afghanistan's rapid collapse for the Afghanistan, uh, the country's rapid collapse at the hands of the Taliban in 2021. The investigation found serious pitfalls in leadership, that's Biden, and questions about who was in charge before and during the mayhem, which, as you know, resulted in the deaths of 13 U.S. service members and hundreds of Afghanistan civilians. And it was basically immediately that the country of Afghanistan just started back on the downslide of where they are today. Representative Greg Murphy, a Republican, telling the Daily Mail in a print interview, it is no coincidence that President Biden's State Department waited until Friday evening before a long weekend to drop its assessment of the United States' disastrous and embarrassing withdrawal from Afghanistan. You know, here's the other thing. You know, during my show in Nashville, I, um, I, I remember that time. And we have a lot of veterans that live uh, here in Middle Tennessee, where, where I live. And I asked a question, and I forget exactly how I phrased it. But I did ask a question. And, and the question was, all right, so if you're in the military and you spent years of your military career in Afghanistan trying to trying to train the Afghanistan military and so forth, and we're just going to pull out and leave the bodies of you know, 13 of our uh, members of our military. And all of those people in Afghanistan, the the Afghanistan people that also died, and and that is what happened. Do you feel like you wasted part of your military career? And, And I had many calls of veterans that were devastated at what happened in Afghanistan. And the fact that not only did we lose 13 members of our military, but also that the whole thing just seemed like a waste of time. Because what happened? Basically, it's a training ground for terrorism yet again. Michael McCall, a Republican out of Texas, he is the House Foreign Affairs Committee chairman, also took issue with Biden's statement that al-Qaeda is no longer operating in Afghanistan, calling it divorced from reality. He says it is completely divorced from reality for President Biden to claim that al Qaeda is no longer operating in Afghanistan or that the Taliban has somehow become our national security partner in the region. McCall also noting. That one of the leaders of al Qaeda was discovering was discovered literally living in the capital city of Kabul, in a home owned by a senior Taliban official. The U.S. took out the leader last year in a drone strike. 
so is Joe Biden lying or is he simply divorced from reality? You know, I, I, I wonder if it can be both. I mean, let's face it. Biden's state of mind, you know that it's not the best. So maybe it is both. I, I don't know. Clueless Biden. Maybe what's happening is they, as in his his staff, maybe they're lying to Biden and he's just taking their word for it. McCall continued to say that Al Qaeda's capabilities are growing rapidly and are aided by the Taliban through funding and security cooperation. President Biden's words, he says, can only be interpreted as an attempt to whitewash the Taliban and Al Qaeda's longstanding ties and may even have been an attempt to get America on the path of recognizing the Taliban as the government of Afghanistan. Oh, can you imagine? Murphy added that House Republicans back McCall and Chairman Mike Rogers of the House Armed Services Committee's commitment to stand up to the administration and the Taliban's growing influence. I mean, listen, there were as you know, I don't want to relitigate the whole Afghanistan thing because it has been relitigated enough. It was a horrible situation. Remember when, when, when Biden said that you wouldn't see any helicopters, you know, last plane out, you wouldn't see any helicopters uh, taking off of the uh, buildings uh, there in Afghanistan like we saw in Vietnam Biden said, we're not going to see that. Guarantee that's not going to happen here. That is exactly what happened. And I think the, the, the part where Biden is said to be divorced from reality, I think that that being divorced from reality was actually very much in play when Biden and, and his administration were supposedly planning for the withdrawal. Because they were completely clueless as to what was going on on the ground in Afghanistan. And that is part of the report that the State Department put out and that Biden and the State Department chose to release right before the 4th of July holiday weekend. It's Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number, 866-907-3339. Dan Mandis in for Gary and Eric. They return next Sunday night, Monday morning. We'll return next. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. By the way, what were those failures... From the pullout of uh, Afghanistan, we we're talking about this just uh, in the in the previous segment and about how Republicans are livid, they say, and they are, that the Biden administration seems to be hiding from its failures. And so the report was released a few days ago, right before the Fourth of July holiday. Republicans are saying that the Biden administration is trying to hide this State Department report. That uh, does blame not only Joe Biden, but also the administration of uh, Donald Trump. They say the investigation found serious pitfalls in leadership and questions about who was in charge before and during the mayhem, which resulted in the deaths of 13 U.S. service members and hundreds of Afghanistan civilians. 
They say before the mayhem and mayhem unfolded, Biden promised a safe withdrawal and said that it was highly unlikely. The Taliban would take over Afghanistan. You know, it's it's interesting because everybody knew that is exactly what was going to happen. And so most folks that I know say that the pullout of Afghanistan and, and what happened after that would have uh, you know been obvious to anybody who had really been paying attention. And so you can blame Trump all you want, and I'm sure that there's some failures there, but uh, really it was Biden who made the ultimate decision to pull out all of those uh, all of those uh, troops from Afghanistan, the, the pullout. And here's the thing. Uh, when Joe Biden came into office, he executive ordered a lot of things that Donald Trump did right out the window. So you, you can say, well, because this is what Biden says, you can say, well, Donald Trump had a terrible plan. This was all Donald Trump's fault. OK, well, then why didn't you change the plan? And by the way, I don't believe and I'd have to go back and look, I don't believe that Trump uh, Trump wanted an orderly withdrawal from Afghanistan. But one of the things that, that he also said was that if there was any kind of a hostile takeover of some of these cities, like we saw as the Taliban began rampaging across Afghanistan, Trump says that he would have put a stop to that stuff immediately. As opposed to Joe Biden, as the Taliban were rampaging across Afghanistan, he just he pulled everybody out. He pulled everybody out. Despite the fact that it was obvious. What was happening and what the next domino that would fall uh, was, and that was the takeover of Kabul. The Biden administration publicly released only half of the 87 page report laying out the disastrous end of 20 years of U.S. involvement on the Friday before the 4th of July holiday. It likely they report it likely lead to fury from Republicans and veterans who have long accused the Biden administration. Of trying to shrug off its actions in the buildup to August of 2021. The conclusion confirms what critics have long thought, and that is that there was a litany of strategic failures as the Taliban overran cities. I mean, it was city after city. You remember that. I mean, you had the smaller towns. And then the closer they got to Kabul, the more powerful they became. And they say that there simply was not enough consideration given to worst case scenarios, which ultimately happened. As a result, thousands, they report, and we all know, thousands of allies who helped the U.S. in the war were left behind. And there was chaos at the airports as well, as men, women and children tried to desperately flee. And those allies who had helped us for years were left behind to fend for themselves and ultimately die by the Taliban sword. They say even though planning for the evacuation of Kabul began some time beforehand, the State Department was hindered by the fact that it was unclear who 
in the department had the lead, which is so baffling to me. Isn't it? Isn't it just bad? It's got to be baffling to you, too. It's like, you know, this is coming. You know what the deadline is, and then they change the deadline, but whatever. How do you not know who is in charge? Well, first of all, the guy who is ultimately in charge is Joe Biden. They had released a National Security Council review of the withdrawal on the day before Good Friday and the Easter weekend, but declined to issue internal Pentagon and State Department assessments. I could keep going. I could go on or keep going, but I think you get the idea. Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. 1 866 907 3339. 866 90 Red Eye. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. Appreciate uh, you listening to Red Eye Radio. Yes, indeed, the phone number is 866 90 Red Eye. So, Ron DeSantis, he's had a really, really rough week, but you know, he's I believe that he's trying to maintain his cool. Now, last night, I think it was about the same time. I played for you a uh, audio. I tweeted this uh, out as well last night at Dan Manda show. But I edited out to this. Um, I edited this this video audio from this video. And it's a video of, you know, a, a, an anti-Trump ad. And it's pro Ron DeSantis. It was not. Produced by the Ron DeSantis campaign, but they tweeted it out. And the reason why it caused so much um, controversy, I guess, is a number of different things. Number one is because it is an attack on Donald Trump. And every time anybody goes after Donald Trump, that is going to lead to a lot of, um, you know, publicity, a lot of media coverage, because the media likes when somebody goes after Trump. That's number one. But number two, because it is just as we've been talking about and as America has been talking about, it is just a, a very bizarre ad. Homoerotic, some people have said. And what the ad tries to do, what the video tries to do is it tries to basically say that Donald Trump, the former president, was uh, right there at the beginning of the transgender activist movement, and he was there to open the door to the absolute insanity that we are today, where we are today. And so the the video, I'm going to play you this audio. I did edit some of it out just because it's nothing but, you know, weird, bizarre, creepy music, and you'll understand in a second. But it is interspersed with headlines of DeSantis and what he has done to battle this kind of a thing in Florida. That's number one. But number two, as uh, even Pete Buttigieg actually awkwardly pointed out, that there's a lot of, uh, you know, very muscular, 
boiled down men, as Buttigieg pointed out, in the video as well. It just, you know what, it just, just, I, I think the audio speaks for itself. I will do everything in my power to protect our LGBTQ citizens. If Caitlyn Jenner were to walk into Trump Tower and want to use the bathroom, you would be fine with her using any bathroom she chooses. That is correct. In the future, can transgender women compete in this universe? Yes. Make America great again. I cannot think of anything more horrifying. It really has shut down drag. Just produced some of the harshest, most draconian laws that literally threaten trans existence. And as this is playing, you've got headlines, you know, newspaper headlines of Ron DeSantis and all of the things that, as as the left will say, these anti put that in air quotes, anti LGBTQ legislation. And so clearly what they're trying to do is they're trying to compare Donald Trump, who, as the the ad will say, the video will uh, intimate that he was at the forefront of the current transgender activist movement, as Gary and Eric always say. And then they compare and contrast with what uh, Ron DeSantis is doing and how you've got folks from MSNBC and CNN and all these various commentators who are, you know, talking about how horrific Ron DeSantis is uh, doing. I cannot think of anything more horrifying. It really has shut down drag. Just produced some of the harshest, most draconian laws that literally threaten trans existence. Congratulations, Ron DeSantis. Mission accomplished. You win. Then on that, uh, again, really awkward music, it just continues to play. And, and, And so one of the things that people were asking, by the way, including yours truly, was one, was it the right move for DeSantis's team to tweet out this particular uh, video? Because while you know we all understand that just because you retweet a video doesn't necessarily mean that you endorse said video. But, but in this case, it, it seems like DeSantis absolutely endorses the video. Now, one of the things that I, I will say, and I did mention this last night, is that Donald Trump has now come out because that was, you know, years ago that those quotes came out. Trump has now come out and said that that he would do everything he can to ban, you know, these um, these surgeries for minors, the, the genital mutilation and the puberty blockers and all of these things that they're doing to kids. Trump has now come out and said, I would absolutely do all I could to ban that at the federal level. So that's number one. Number two, Trump has also come out and he has said that he would ban transgender women or men from playing on girls sports teams or in girls leagues, women's leagues. And so the statements that Trump made years ago. Are different from how he feels today. Now, it's it's not a big shock that you you have these uh, politicians who are trying to place and pin their own narrative on their opponent. I mean, you you have to, one of the first things you do as a politician is you try to define your opponent. And so they're trying to define Donald Trump as being, you know, put this in air quotes, a pro-LGBTQ, when in reality, what basically Trump was trying to do and what Trump was trying to say is that he is going to protect the rights of all Americans. We live in a vastly different world today, folks. Anyway, this is what um, 
DeSantis says about the tweeting of that video. And the question basically is, do you stand by your campaign tweeting out this video? I think, you know, identifying uh, Donald Trump as really being a pioneer in injecting gender ideology into the mainstream where he was having men compete against women in his beauty pageants. I think that's totally fair game because he's now campaigning saying the opposite, that he doesn't think that you should have uh, men competing in women's things like athletics. And so we've been very clear on it that uh, we believe in protecting the rights of our girls. See, now, I, I, I understand what DeSantis is saying when he says it's fair game. Because Trump said it, DeSantis is now trying to define Trump as sort of pro-LGBTQ. Well, again, not to belabor the point, but Trump has now come out and said what he would ban, which is transgender surgeries and, and procedures for minors and transgender women or men playing on sports teams. But Donald Trump did say that, and he said it years ago. Now, he was talking about bathrooms and, you know, Caitlyn Jenner and all of that kind of thing. But here's the deal. Republicans need to have the conversation. And whether it is Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump uh, debating what the current policy of the Republican Party should be and its leader heading into the general election, we we do need to know how Donald Trump feels right now. And it, it seems to me like we do know. But this is part of the reason why perhaps I might submit that Trump should engage in a debate with Ron DeSantis, although we had that conversation last night. Now, the question is, with uh, DeSantis, why are you not, because you've seen the polling, friends, why is DeSantis not connecting with the American people? Because he's not. I mean, th- th- that, is, that is absolute truth. His numbers have gone down. The more that the American people get to know Ron DeSantis, his numbers go down and and Donald Trump's is uh, going up. Story out today, Vivek Ramaswamy is uh, doing really well these days, as a matter of fact, and gaining ground not only, of course, on Ron DeSantis, but also Donald Trump. So he was on, DeSantis was on with Will Cain from Fox News. And And I liked you a lot, but there are those that say there's something about you that's not connecting for whatever reason. Not connecting with the voter, whether or not it be personality. Donald Trump says it's about loyalty. Francis Suarez says it's about your relationships. And it's not about those individuals so much. I'm curious in the the analysis of Ron DeSantis of why not yet is connecting. I mean, it's an awkward question. The headline from, I forget what media outlet, but the headline was, you know, a very awkward interview with uh, between Will Kane on, on Fox News and uh, Ron DeSantis. Now, I didn't believe that it was an awkward interview. I, I thought that DeSantis, I thought that, quite frankly, he had a, a really good answer. Well, I think, did you just see the news today about uh, the record fundraising hall we've had? Nobody's been able to match that in the history of modern presidential politics. So we've got a huge amount of support uh, to be able to take the case to the people. We really haven't started that yet. Uh, we're in the process of building out a great organization And I think we're going to be on the ground in all these early states. Uh, It is a three yards in a cloud of dust type situation. That's what we're going to be doing. But look, at the end of the day, nobody has stood up uh, for hardworking Americans more than I have over these last five years. Mm. Really, Ron DeSantis? Uh, For hardworking Americans more than I have over these last five years. You're really going to say that no one 
has stood up for hardworking Americans more than you have over the last five years. Now, again, I understand this is politics. Do you remember earlier in the broadcast when I, I was discussing and posing and asking the question, OK, when you talk about Joe Biden and how he is disconnected from reality, is he disconnected from reality or is he lying? I mean, I might pose that question about Ron DeSantis when he says nobody has stood up uh, for hardworking Americans more than I have over these last five years. Well, I would submit to Ron DeSantis and I am I'm a free agent when it comes to the um, Republican primary. I might vote Trump. I might vote DeSantis. I might vote uh, Tim Scott. I like Tim Scott a lot. Vivek Ramaswamy really like him. But when you say something like that, when you make a statement like no one, he says, no one has stood up for the men and uh, the working men and women of America more than he has over the last five years. um, I would submit that uh, to the Florida governor that, that Donald Trump has far more than DeSantis has been hardworking for working hard for the American people. But again, you try to define your opponent. And you define yourself. And that is what Ron DeSantis is trying to do. And deliver the level of results that I have. That's going to be a great story to tell because if we did it in Florida, we absolutely can do it as president. That'll mean the border, the invasion stops. Mm -hmm. It'll mean the economy is restored. And it's going to mean that woke ideology ends up in the dustbin of history. Yeah, and there you go. And that's where DeSantis is doing what he does and which all the candidates do which is they have their pat lines, and and that's all fine, good, and uh, well. It is just, again, it's uh, part of politics. But the conversation did continue with uh, Will Cain and Ron DeSantis. By the way, DeSantis, he was talking about the $20 million that he had earned uh, in, in fundraising. Yesterday, I told you the story about Donald Trump, who has raised, uh, what, what was it, $35 million? Uh, But that was over a a longer period of time. So DeSantis was able to raise the $20 million, and I think it was six weeks, six weeks' time. But the truth of the matter is that 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 fundraising has now slowed. So he did really good in the beginning. Now, again, just like his polling, the money that he's bringing in has started to slow. And it's, it's just like the polling. The, the more time goes on, the more DeSantis is out there, the more interviews that he gives, the, the, the lower his polling seems to go. One final comment from Ron DeSantis. A YouGov favorability poll shows you uh, with Republican voters and even among Donald Trump voters have a very high favorability. So I can ask you about connecting with individuals, but at the same time, people at least show to some extent they like Ron DeSantis. But the question is, how do you take that and make the case that they should like you more than Donald Trump? To get to Joe Biden, you have to beat Donald Trump. That's certainly true. How does Ron DeSantis answer answer that question? It's coming up next on Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Lines open for your calls, 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
Red Eye Radio, 86690-RED-EYE. So the big question is, as I can fit this in before the top of the hour, how does Ron DeSantis convert his favorability ratings, which is off the charts, into votes? Well, I think a lot of those things show I have the highest favorabilities, which we appreciate, but we have a lot more to do. I've also been attacked more than anybody, as you know, Will. You know, Donald Trump has spent over $20 million attacking me. That's more than he spent supporting Republican candidates in last year's midterm elections. And so we're now in a situation we're going to be able to tell our story, but we appreciate uh, those marks, and I think we're going to be able to improve on them significantly. At the end of the day, people do want to win, though, uh, and, you know, you can't win with just Republican voters. I think we showed in Florida, you know, if you want a big victory, you've got to win independent voters. You've got to win people who haven't voted for our, our party in the last several cycles. I've show, shown I can do that, and I think we can do it nationally. Well, you certainly, I, I think yeah, it's that a, is uh, Ron DeSantis talking about his path to victory. The big question is, is that a realistic path? So far, it doesn't really seem like it is a realistic path. He is doing really poorly in the polls, especially compared to where he was. This is Red Eye Radio. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. It's Red Eye Radio. Talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America studios, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis, this is Red Eye Radio. And the phone number remains 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Thank you very much for joining us here on Red Eye Radio, Gary and Eric, they return on Sunday night, Monday morning. You can find out more about me on the Dan Mandis Show Facebook page. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram as well. All of them at Dan Mandis Show. And uh, also, you can uh, listen to me. And uh, I do have a morning show in Nashville, Tennessee on Super Talk, 99.7 WTN. And you can listen via the World Wide Web at 99.7 WTN.com. Okay. So if I sound a little uh, discombobulated, it's it's quite frankly because I am because I've been I've been trying to make heads or tails out of Jill Scott's version of the national anthem. Now, we, we spoke about this earlier and, and had a lot of reaction to it. I, I tweeted this out and it is R&B star Jill Scott. And uh, she is, you know, a, a big, uh, you know, popular singer. And she was it. I think it's this uh, event for Essence magazine, which is uh, you know designed for black folks. And so she was there at this event and she decided to and I think it was an awful, <laughs> awful idea. She decided to change the words and politicize the national anthem. I'm going to play for you a couple of different snippets of Jill Scott's take on the national anthem. It has gone viral. Oh, say. Can you see by the blood in the streets? Yeah, that's uh, 
That's how it started. Blood in the streets. Now, I I mentioned earlier, and it it does bear repeating, that it seems like, you know, obviously she is politicizing the national anthem. Obviously, she is uh, doing whatever she can, in my opinion, to fan the racial flames here in America. And so I'm going to sort of interrupt the vibe in the sense that, you know, she's out there, she's doing the national anthem, but she's changing it to fit her narrative, her truth, you know, whatever. But when she says that there's blood in the streets, well, we she's actually right. Now, I don't know if Jill Scott is a Republican or a Democrat. I, I really don't know. But what I will say is this, if she's a Democrat, well, then it's the Democrats and that party. It it is their fault that there's blood in the streets and there's crime in the sense that you have the Democrats. And what they do is they facilitate the crime with their George Soros DAs who refuse to prosecute the bad guys. And so they know and, you know, this goes on because, you know, Gary and Eric talk about this all the time. San Francisco, places like San Francisco and New York, where the bad guys know that if they steal nine hundred ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents, well, anything under a thousand dollars, they're not going to get prosecuted. They might get arrested, but they're not going to get prosecuted. So then the bad guys go right back out uh, onto the streets. So why is there blood on the streets? Well, because of crime that is out of control. Why is crime out of control? It is because the Democrats and their soft on crime policies. Bail reforms are exactly why we see blood in the streets. That is exactly why we are seeing the absolute chaos that we're seeing in Democrat-run cities across America. So, again, I don't know if she's a Republican or a Democrat, and I, I, I don't want to assume that she's a Democrat. But just by the very nature of her song and the way that she has reimagined, that's the big thing now, right, reimagining, she's reimagined the national anthem. Well, I will say that, by and large, a Republican or a conservative would not reimagine the national anthem. So I'm going to assume that she's a Democrat. And so my question would be, okay, so if there's blood in the streets, can we please look at why there's blood in the streets? Well, I just told you why there's blood in the streets. It's thanks to the Democrats. Remember one of the tenets of conservatism. Republicans want law and order. It is the Democrats who actually want that blood in the streets. And it's evidenced. It's evidenced by their bail reform policies. Here's more from Jill Scott and her reimagining of the national anthem. That this place doesn't smile on you, colored child. So she's talking about America and how this place does not smile on the colored child. Well, is she wrong? I mean, think about this. How many black children are born without a father in the home? Many. 
So if you want to save that blood in the streets, get fathers back in those homes. Teach those kids the right way to live and to respect authority and to respect life. You see, to me, every statement that she makes about America that that I would say is negative, every statement that she makes about America, there is an answer to. And those answers, by and large, are rooted in conservatism. Stop aborting children and start raising children with fathers in the home. One figure I saw shows that almost 60% of black children have no father in the home. Now, that is a problem throughout America, regardless of skin color, but it is a big, big problem in the black community. Fatherless households. So you want to stop the blood in the streets, get the fathers in the home. It is just that simple. So you want this place to smile on a colored child, as she says? Get a father involved. Give these kids direction, devotion, and a dad, and you will be amazed at what happens. One final line from Jill Scott and her reimagining of the national anthem. The land of the Jill Scott. And um, bottom line on that is there's no slaves in this country. Just somebody might want to clue her in. But see, here's the thing. Is that she has done this in the past. And that line in her rendition of the national anthem, Scott says that, that she doesn't intend to divide people when she sings Home of the Slave. Listen to what she says. She says, when I sing that song, that line in the song, Home of the Slave, we are in a place, she says, that makes us slaves to consumerism. It makes us slaves to social media, makes us slaves to lies that don't make no kind of sense, she says. But we follow the stories like suckas, she says, like slaves to whatever kinds of negativity that doesn't benefit us as a people, as a culture, nor as a society. Well, let's handle that one by one, shall we? When she says that we are a slave to consumerism, well, she's a hypocrite. Because Jill Scott does not give away her music for free. She's on the various music platforms, and I'm assuming that if I wanted to go down to Wherever people go to buy CDs these days, I could probably plop about 20 bucks down and buy me a Jill Scott CD. Isn't that consumerism, the same consumerism that she is decrying? Yes, it is. She's also a hypocrite proven in the sense that she is selling concert T-shirts for 55 bucks online. And I'm reasonably certain that she sells those at her concerts as well. 
where they're probably anywhere from 50, 55, 65, $75. By the way, you know how much he charges for a concert ticket? Roughly $100. So how can you, on the one hand, castigate a nation that is supposedly slave to consumerism, yet at the same time you, Jill Scott, are partaking in consumerism or capitalism? So that's number one. The other thing she talks about is how we're slaves to social media. Well, Jill Scott has three million followers on Instagram, so she should delete her Instagram uh, page immediately, her, her social media immediately, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever she's on. If it's bad to be a slave to um, social media, well, then she's got to delete her uh, her social media accounts, does she not? I mean, that's the whole point. And for her to say, oh, I'm not trying to uh, be divisive. Well, of course you are. Don't you love people like that? Where they they do some of the most, you know, godforsaken things. And then they say, who, me? So that's what she's trying to get away with. And she's getting absolutely blasted. Now, here's the thing. Most folks understand that. This kind of reimagining of the national anthem, most people know that that is going to appeal to people who already don't like America, have negative things to say about America. And so if that's what she wants to do, that's what she's going to do. And, and here's the thing. I know because I've, I, I, when I did this topic earlier, I heard from a whole bunch of you folks that on social media, my own social media. At Dan Manda Show on uh, Twitter and Instagram and uh, Facebook. And, and you talk about and, and veterans are, are out there saying, you know, we died for this country and we don't uh, or and our friends died for this country and we fought for this country and we don't appreciate the reimagining of the national anthem. And, and I get that mentality. If you're a veteran and you fought for America and you saw your friends die fighting for America and then she comes and does this, well, then it can it can seem awfully uh, unappreciative. But I would also say I would also submit. That those that died fighting for our freedoms. And those folks that fought for our freedoms and came back home. They fought for her right to reimagine the national anthem. So there's a couple of different ways to look at this. What do you think? 866-90-RED-EYE is the phone number. 866-907-3339. This is Red Eye Radio. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. When driving, you need to manage the space around your vehicle so that there's enough space to allow you to adjust when traffic conditions change. The space ahead of your vehicle is the most important and one of the easiest to monitor and adjust as needed. One rule of thumb is to allow at least one second for each 10 feet of vehicle length at speeds below 40 miles per hour. At greater speeds, add an additional second. It's impossible to keep other drivers from tailgating you, but there are some things you can do to make it safer such as increasing your following distance, avoiding quick lane changes, and slowing down. 
There are also several things you should do to ensure that there is plenty of space between the side of your vehicle and other vehicles. Don't hug the center line, avoid hugging the right side of the road, and avoid traveling alongside other vehicles in strong winds, especially crosswinds. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Dan Mandis here in for Gary and Eric. They return next Sunday night, Monday morning, and this is Robert in Arkansas on Red Eye Radio. Hey, Robert, how are you? Good morning, young folks. Uh, Miss Scott can say anything she wants to. I believe in free speech. But in her second line, in the first stanza of what used to be the Star Spangled Banner, in the original version, I'll say things by the dawn early light. Well, you can see by the early light. You can, blood does not give off light. So you can't see that. It's not giving off any kind of reflect. I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. Well, the the whole thing to, to me, the whole the whole Jill Scott attempt or the reimagining of the uh, the national anthem, I, I don't think it does make sense. And I believe no, that there, there's what, what's that? I said it's an atrocity. And yes, I serve. It's an atrocity. When you, hey Robert, let me ask you because you 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 hey Robert, hold on, let me ask you because one of the last things I said in the last segment was veterans who served are particularly upset. And, and I understand that. But when we say that you, you guys and, and women, when you fought for our freedoms, you did fight for her freedom of speech, for her right to do exactly, exactly what she did. I mean, is that a, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, people, people can be stupid on their own accord. Well, that, that's exactly right. And and she certainly, at least in my opinion, she certainly was. Uh, very quickly, I want to get through some of these calls. Uh, this is Rick in Cincinnati. Hey, Rick, uh, how are you? Hi, doing good. I, I just want to tell you again, that rendition that she did of the National Anthem was disgraceful. And she is living a very gifted life in this country. And if she doesn't like what's going on here, she can get the hell out. What she's been saying and doing is just disgraceful to this country. And there's not been slaves around here for years. And she's never experienced that. That's been gone for so long. It's just irritating to hear somebody like that that does a rendition of the national anthem that disgraces our military and the men and women that fought for our country and our right for freedom and speech and all that. I don't disagree with the right for freedom of speech, but you just don't our military and rick i agree with you uh very much thank you very much for the call although to be fair i'm not sure if she was she was disgracing the song i don't know that she was disgracing the military unless you're hearing something that i'm not 
But I agree with you on the overall point, which is the fact that uh, she is disgracing America with her rendition of the national anthem. However, the other thing that I would say is I just sort of riff on this a little bit. It also shows the greatness of America in the sense that in America, she has the freedom of speech to do that. Lee, very quickly from Los Angeles, is on Red Eye Radio. Hey, Lee, how are you? I can't add anything more to what the two previous callers said. I'm very distressed. I'm very disheartened. She, You're right. She has the right to uh, attempt to put her stamp on what it is. But this is a national anthem, okay? And um, that's it, bro. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Well, thanks very much for calling. I, I, I do appreciate it. And, and listen, I, I totally get the anger. I totally get the resentment. And uh, for, you know, for a Jill Scott, you know, I, I talk about outrage marketing a lot. She's probably getting a lot of publicity negative, but for her, it's probably she considered it a good thing. Red Eye Radio, from the Uniden America Studios. 1-866-907-3339. 866-90-RED-EYE. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis. Appreciate you listening and um, taking your phone calls. It's been a very busy uh, morning. I mean, we've been talking about Cocaine Gate and the fact that you know, we now have more information on cocaine gate and the fact that now turns out this uh, little bag of cocaine was found in a completely separate location from what they've been telling us before. It doesn't look suspicious at all, does it? So we have that story for you. The uh, Secret Service, they are now saying, yeah, don't uh, don't count on finding out who it was that brought that cocaine in, because despite the technology, despite the fact that this is the White House we just don't know if we're going to be able to pinpoint who that person is. Uh, we have Marie that's been holding for a while in Seattle. You're on Red Eye Radio. Hey, Marie, how are you? Oh, real, real fine. I love Red Eye. Uh, I love the guy's deep voice and the music. And I hope they never change that. That is really unique. Uh, listen, i got a couple of things, but the, my, the main thing is the last thing that I'm going to tell you. Uh, the first thing here, this woman, if you remember that basketball player that got – got arrested in Russia, and she hated America so bad, and she's had yeah, some yeah, Brittany time Griner. to sit in jail. Yeah, right. And she had some time to sit there and think it over, and now I think she's kind of got her tail between her legs, kind of embarrassed because America got her back here. And this is the greatest country in the world. Now, in Seattle, 8 out of 10 bus drivers are all black. I mean, the blacks, we are not. I don't know where they get this thing about being prejudiced now. Now, uh... I, and then they, uh, the bus drivers, and then the head of the fire department, the head of the police department, uh, and then we had two-term black guy that was Obama. Where are these things who are prejudiced? They're just playing the card game there to try to get as much out, squeeze out of the Americans they can because oh, I know. it's not right. Yeah. Okay. Now I have two. I got those other things real quick to say. Uh, 
it's very hypocritical. Uh, this woman here's charging fifty dollars for a T-shirt. Also, it's just like Bernie Sanders. He screams about capitalism and he lives in a mansion. I mean, there's, there's so so much hypocrisy in that mm -hmm. group. Anyway, mm -hmm. the main thing I called tonight for was I can't get over the guesswork of whose cocaine that was. It's very simple to find out. Check the fingerprints on the either if it was in a plastic bag or a paper bag, and if it's Hunter Biden's fingerprints out there, we know it's it. But you know the problem? They know it is, but they're just covering it. They're covering well, it up because he, yeah, they're just covering yeah, it up because it's Biden's son, huh? Right. Well, we I, I appreciate the call, Marie. And you know, as far as uh, whose cocaine it is, it's Cocaine Gate, and she brings up a great point, which I I think I brought up that up yesterday, which is. All right, so if you're the Secret Service, and and I believe that they everybody knows. I think that everybody in the White House knows whose cocaine that is. So if you're in the Secret Service and, and you're like, oh, crap, Hunter left his cocaine out again. <laughs> we're not going to fingerprint this or we're not going to, you know, DNA this thing because we don't want to know what we know. You know what I mean? Now, they say that they're fingerprinting it. They say that they're going to utilize DNA technology. They say that they're looking at the cameras, but they're already setting the, you know, setting the stage for telling the American people, we don't know whose cocaine it is. And I think that they went from saying, look, this could take week or even weeks or even months to figure out whose cocaine it is. Now they've said, well, we'll probably have this wrapped up by Monday and we more than likely won't have uh, any kind of a conclusion preparing us to deal with the fact that we'll never know whose cocaine that was. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people are saying the same thing that I'm about to say. And I have said, which is the folks that are so indignant about, you know, Hunter Biden being somebody who is, uh, you know, a suspect, if you will, uh, and suspected of leaving that cocaine Okay, well, then just have them take a drug test. It is very simple. Just take a drug test. Trust, but verify. I want to say hello, say hello to, uh, this is Ralph uh, calling from, uh, Ralph, you'll be uh, amazed to know, I'm sure, that I grew up in Glendora, California. So, appreciate you calling There's Red no Eye way. Radio. Yeah, I did. Really? Mm-hmm. What a coincidence. I, I used to. It. I used to work at a Chevron station at the corner of Arrow Highway and uh, Grand Avenue, I think it was. Wow. Mm -hmm. I believe at Arrow and Grand right now, there's an In-N-Out there. <laughs> that's my In-N-Out, Ralph. That's where I had my very first In-N-Out burger. Animal style, right? Uh, no, I'm kind of prissy. I like it, you know, just like the, the hamburger, Double. the lettuce, and the tomato, and, and ketchup, and that's it. Uh, it's what it is. It's uh, since it's not on the menu. It all seems more special to everybody that comes over and gets it that way. It's, it's funny exactly kind of that right. way. But, but I but I do miss yeah, Glendora. Well, I haven't to. been I haven't been home in I mean I haven't been home to Glendora in probably what twenty five thirty years, and uh, wow. I, I miss it immensely. Although I know I have no idea how the old hood is doing, but I, I'm sure it's still right of the foothills. That that's just exactly that right. Part? The pride of the foothills. You're right. And actually, I, when, I when wasn't. I was going to say it wasn't um, it, it was now that I remember it wasn't Grand and Arrow. It was Glen, uh, Glendora and Arrow because it was Glen yeah, Arrow. That Chevron. makes more sense. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah there you go. Think of the gas stations. There's a, there's a great market over there, a Mideast, Middle Eastern market that has just the best foods and uh, the In-N-Out. And then uh, there's a carpet place that's always been changing to a window store, a carpet store. Yeah. It's one of those kind of corners, but it's, it's mm-hmm. real interesting. But uh, what I, the, one of the reasons I call, I just can't believe you're from Glendora. That's still kind of still <laughs> kind of reeling from that one. How, Gra- that graduated, graduated, real quick, graduated from Charter Oak High School, class of 1986. Wow. That's classic. They had a really, they're known for their football, by the way. Uh, by yeah, the way, I know. I was like, uh, yeah, I oh, was, uh, I was third, I was second or third string special teams on the football team. So I, wow. I didn't contribute Impressive. much. But just so let, for your listeners, pride of the foothills doesn't mean what we're celebrated in June. N- no, there's yeah, no I rainbow mean, flags it, it, involved. There's, yeah, there's respect, but it's not pushed on. You know exactly what I mean? It's, right. it's, it's, it's one of those communities of, I guess they call it the land of churches and schools, and everybody gets along because nobody gets in each other's business. Yeah, you know? That's exactly right. Well, well, go ahead. What did you want to say, Ralph? Uh, you know, the mil- regarding the, the celebrity that made that uh, national anthem uh, yes. in her version, you know, the military fought for the right for celebrities like her to do what they do and say what they say, no matter how stupid or ungrateful. But what bothers me more, what bothers me the most is the applause, the cheering from so many followers and supporters here? Well, that was it. A, it was Jill Scott at an Essence event. And Essence is a, like a, a magazine geared towards black folks. And so, you know, you, you, you have the indoctrination. I think part of what's going on with um, you know, the black community these days, it seems like people like Jill Scott, what they're trying to do is indoctrinate the, the younger black community into this kind of, you know, activist thinking. And it's not unifying in the least. It's clearly something that is meant to divide. And so now... But it's and, working, isn't that, it? Well, I, yes, it is working. I mean, See, that's part of the problem. Like when people like Ibram X. Kendi, who is also an influencer, can rise to such, I guess, fame and stardom and... I don't want to say the word power, but it is. Look at the look at the minds that he's influenced, and all the schools that carry his work. Hey, that you dude, know, a- Abraham Kendi, he makes uh, he makes like a hundred thousand dollars to go and just spew this. Put this in air quotes. Anti-racist BS, and that's what it is. Yeah, and, and so it you're works. right, and that 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 is what's going on. I I I, uh, I appreciate the call, by the way. Um, that's part of what's happening. Is, you know, it used to be that uh, we should be defined, you know, not by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. Well, well, that seems to be just completely reversed now, because every time you turn around, the conversation isn't about character anymore. It's about skin color. And, and what they're doing is they're indoctrinating the younger generation into activists. And, and I think that's absolutely wrong. And it is clearly destructive. Uh, let's see here. Last call on this. Steve is in Arkansas on Red Eye Radio. Hey, Steve, how are you? Very good. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. My take is that if she thinks this country is so bad, how about she travel to a country where slavery still exists? say China or North Korea, defile their national anthem and see how long she remains in the public eye. Well, that, that's exactly right, Steve, and I do appreciate it. And by the way, she has in the past, I mentioned this earlier, Jill Scott in the past has said that she would 
like to move uh, out of America because apparently it is so bad, according to her. Dan Mandis here. It is uh, Red Eye Radio. The phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. Red Eye Radio, the phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. And uh, got to tell you that, uh, you know, usually on uh, Friday, you know, Friday morning of a short week, it is, you know, generally speaking, typically it's a slow news uh, morning. But there's been a lot of really interesting topics. And and so uh, one of the things that, that I've been reporting on this morning was the situation involving, of course, uh, what is going on with Cocaine Gate? And so, the more that we talk about Cocaine Gate, and, and the more we talk about what is going on uh, with the Biden administration, this is only the the latest in in just a number of train wrecks that have come from the uh, that have come from the White House. And, and so, the more that we see what's going on with Joe Biden, and the more that we realize. With the president and with his administration, there's a number of stories out there that are are focused on, again, this morning, focused on the president and his inability to tell the truth. And the problem that Joe Biden has is that I think the American people are really tired and tiring of the president and his inability to tell the truth. And so as you look at the president. And you look at his policies and you look at how he tries to spin, for example, Bidenomics. People realize that this is a guy who is so incredibly disconnected. Earlier in the program, I was talking about the difference between because, you know, Biden has been is being attacked, as he, by the way, should be over the butchered uh, Afghanistan pullout, the pullout of Afghanistan and how we ended up totally screwing that up. The report came out from the State Department, totally called out Joe Biden and Donald Trump on their mismanagement of the pullout. And yet some Republicans that said that the the president was a disconnected from reality because the president has been out there. Basically, he hasn't said it was it was a success. But what he is saying is, well, Al Qaeda is no longer in the uh, in the region. When in reality, Al Qaeda is in the region. You also had some of the members of Al Qaeda that just joined the Taliban team. And now the Taliban is taking over Afghanistan. In other words, nothing good. Absolutely nothing good has come out of Afghanistan and the failed Afghanistan pullout. But when you talk about the president and how he is disconnected from reality, I I did ask the question earlier and, and I got some response to it, but you know, is it is it fair to say that Biden is disconnected from reality or is it fair to say that he is just a a perpetual liar? And quite frankly, I don't know which is worse. Now, do I believe that the president is disconnected from reality? I just don't know what he knows. I don't know what he doesn't know. I mean, I know that if I look at the things that he says about the economy 
about the border, about America, about the pullout of Afghanistan and Al Qaeda. If I look at all of that, because, you know, again, the president said that Al Qaeda is uh, out of Afghanistan, which is not the case. You have to ask the question, and I've asked this often. And that is, do you believe that the president is is disconnected from reality and he doesn't know what he doesn't know? Or is he purposely lying to the American people? Is he personally lying and deliberately, deliberately lying to you? As we head into the 2024 presidential election. I mean, every day we have the drip, drip, drip of, of, of lower polling numbers for President Biden. I shared some with you yesterday. And so it almost doesn't matter the poll. The narrative is always the same. The story is always the same. And that is that the president is doing horribly. And I think that there's a number of reasons why. One of them is because he is lying to the American people. And whether they see the president's lies as him being disconnected from reality or he's just simply lying to us, doesn't matter. The American people don't like it, and they don't like it at all. And last night, I gave you some uh, intel on former President Donald Trump, who is looking better and better in a general election. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, hear the final episode of Season 2 of the hit podcast series In the Red Clay, Durham. In the Red Clay tells the unbelievable true story of Billy Sunday Burt, the most dangerous man in Georgia history. In the podcast that people are calling riveting, incredibly moving, captivating, and addicting. Binge seasons one and two of In the Red Clay now, wherever you listen. Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen.